0: starting. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 147. And today, we've got not one guest, but two guests. We've got Justin Busa and Robbie McCullough from Beaver Builder. Uh, Justin, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you.
1: Hey guys, I'm uh, Justin with Beaver Builder, uh, FastLine Media parent company. And uh, I've been uh, building websites for quite a while now on WordPress, like I guess since 2009 on WordPress and then uh, eventually started Beaver Builder with uh, Robbie and uh, Billy who may have heard of in our community. And uh, that's where we're at now.
0: Excellent, Robbie, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. Hey, guys. My name is Robbie McCullough. I'm uh, one of the other co-founders of Beaver Builder. Uh, let's see. I live in the Bay Area, and I've been working with Justin and Billy for several years now. And, and um, yeah, really, really happy to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Oh, we are glad to have you. I also want to introduce my co-host, uh, Jonathan.
3: Oh, Tell hi. Us- yeah, thanks, John. Um, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance support company, and we also offer um, services to developers, designers that are got projects, and they're looking for a trusted partner that that can be a white label partner on their internal projects. Excellent. And I am John Locke.
0: My business is Lockdown Design, and I help blue-collar businesses with their WordPress sites and specifically helping them with their local SEO and WooCommerce integrations. Uh, So starting right off, you know, like every good product has an origin story. What is the origin story for Beaver Builder? How did it come about? What did it come out of?
2: It was a, yeah, it was kind of a fun one. So, so Justin and Billy, well, Justin and Billy have a kind of fun origin story I could tap on quickly. Yeah, do it. Um, I met them through Craigslist, but they'd been in business for a few years before I came on board. And prior to all that, um, Justin was playing in a local band and Billy uh, used to manage the local club in town. And that's how they, they met. So it was kind of, a, you know, rock and roll brought, brought those two together. I like, it's always kind of a fun one. Um, But then, yeah, I came on a couple of years later and we were doing strictly client services. We were doing a lot of websites for photographers. And then um, through that, we started kind of transitioning more into the small local businesses and and basically anything we could get our hands on. Um, And then Beaver Builder started off as a project we were working on internally for our own use in our agency. Um, We'd kind of, we we had built a client site um, using a page builder on the request of the client we were kind of of the, the philosophy that, you know, like, uh, who wants to use a page builder? We're developers. Like, we can do it ourselves. Um, but we had a client that wanted to use one. And so we built his site with them and then handed it off. And we were like, oh, wow, like this is actually kind of a nice way to do it. Like, it saved us some time. And then he's taking care of the changes himself. Um, and that was where we kind of got the spark or the idea to start building one um, that was you know, perfect for what we needed. And then from there, we decided to, to productize it.
0: Very good. Uh, you know, in, in making that transition from doing straight client services to being a product <laughs> business, you know you what were kind of the challenges that you faced, um, you know, making Beaver Builder the center of your business? And was that even intentional?
2: Do you want to you want to jump into that one, Justin? Or yeah,
0: no, yeah, I can
2: I can definitely speak on that. I
1: think the challenge is really finding the time or balancing the time because the client work has to get done, and especially when the product isn't you know when it's in its infancy and it's not supporting the business, the client works supporting the product. Um, but you know, as the product starts to grow, there's you know things like support, and you know it's not going to grow without marketing. So you start to have to invest more and more time. So it's definitely a balancing act to get to that point. Um, but at the end of the day, the client work still has to get done because you know you need to put your, you know, we're feeding their families with this kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> so you can't just completely neglect it. And then, um, you know, the, the transition, I think for us, it went really smooth because uh, Robbie and uh, Billy took a lot of uh, stuff off my plates uh, early on. So I could, focused almost a hundred percent on beaver builder. They would, you know, in the mornings we'd jump into support and beaver builder, you know, related emails and things like that, and then get to the client work. But, uh, as time went on, uh, I was able to, you know, do that all day long, do development all day long. Support was pretty easy in the early going. So it wasn't like, you know, these days where, you know, we actually need a team of people, it was just a couple hours in the morning. And then, um, eventually, um, it, we we you know decided to pull the trigger, and that's when uh, at Beaver Builder had started actually supporting itself. And and Billy and Robbie said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna sh- shut down the client work too. And we started um, finding new homes for our clients and phasing out, taking on new projects and things like that.
0: So, and how do you know you know when that tipping point is there? Um, and how, you know, is it scary, like pulling that trigger and just saying, like, we're just going to put all our chips in on this product and we're just going to do away with client work altogether. Like how terrifying is that?
1: It's pretty terrifying. Um, you know, especially since even with the client services stuff, like we slowed down at one point, um, quite a bit, uh, during our our time doing that, that even that was scary. So jumping in the product was kind of like doing that again, like, oh my gosh, you know, like, are we going to be able to do this <clears throat> excuse me um so yeah it's it's uh it's pretty scary and i mean I, I think the tipping point though is really just you know when you when you when the signs point to that it's going to work out i don't think that money necessarily means that it's going to work out i mean money's a big factor in it obviously it needs to be bringing in some some revenue but um you know, signs in like the community and the product growth and things like that. And that see, this is going to be viable long-term rather than, Oh, we're just going to, you know, sell this product for, you know, it's doing really great now, but it going to do great in a couple months. So the longevity I think is like knowing that that longevity is there is a big tipping point, I think. Um, but yeah, either way, it's still scary. I mean, you rely on this client services business and you have all these relationships for so many years and then you just say, shut it down completely. <laughs> it's, uh,
2: yeah, it definitely I mean, felt like a risk at the time. Yeah. I know when we started out, and I've seen this now in a couple other products that have that have popped up, but you'll get the the early adopters, like, quote unquote. And so we were really lucky to have a, you know, really healthy group of, of early adopters that you know, the kind of folks that were out there just trying everything and loved to play with new tools and new products. And then You know, a few months or a year in, we started having more and more people that were using Beaver Builder. And a lot of people were using Beaver Builder for their agencies and actually building their businesses around our business. And seeing that happen um, was a little bit, you know, gave us a little bit of a sense of security that it wasn't just kind of people jumping in and giving us a try and moving on to something else, that there there might be something long term there. We were also having a whole lot of fun doing product and we were all kind of not burnt out, but, you know, client work was getting a little repetitive and this was this kind of brand new world. So that, that made it a little easier that we were having a blast uh, making the transition.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Especially being a a developer. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say to Robbie's point uh, being a developer. Yeah. I mean, I was having a lot more fun building something for
0: myself than for someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Definitely. Here's a here's a follow-up question. You know, to to what you just said is, you know, it, it really started getting traction. You you uh, saw agencies using it for their work, and they were building like their business around yours. Uh was that something that you was that a, a segment of the market that you were targeting right away, or was that just something that just happened to click? Or you know, how did you how did you market Beaver Beaver Builder in the early days?
2: Yeah. So we did. Kind of early on identify that since we had built Beaver Builder for our agency and kind of tuned it for that purpose of of being a good framework to build a lot of sites on top of and then in turn hand off to other people to manage, um, we knew... Yeah, we knew we were doing well in that in that market, and then we also figured being a drag and drop page builder that it would also do well with kind of do it yourselfers or beginners or people that didn't have a coding background. Um, I remember one of the first like purchases that we ever made for Beaver Builder, like one of the first things we ever spent money on outside of hosting and some of like the regular stuff, was we hired an agency to to do a explainer video. It's still the video we have on our homepage. Um but I, I remember we specifically did two versions of the video with two different intros. And one of them was kind of saying, Hey, like you just spent all this time building a website for a client and now they, you know, are coming back and asking for changes. Dah, dah, dah. And then the other version of the video started off with like, hey, you know, you need to build a website, but you don't know how to write code and it's a you know big mess and you don't know what you're doing. So we, we, we had that early on. Um I think we were expecting or I think we tried to target the do-it-yourselfers a little bit more in the beginning. Um, thinking like, that's the bigger market, you know, like that's where the, that's where we should go. But then it's, it, we're, we're actually coming back around and realizing that I think our core, one of our core segments is agencies and, and freelancers and people that are building sites, you know, on a regular basis.
0: What what kind of stuff did you do to, uh, you know, get the product in front of people uh, at first?
2: Yeah, it was tough for a long time, you know, we, it, I I like the snowball analogy because, you know, it started off really, really slow and we were pushing, I guess we weren't pushing hard. Like the snowball analogy doesn't work as far as like pushing it down the road, but yeah, it started off really, really, really slow. Um, We, you know, reached out to everyone we could really, we sent a ton of emails. I, you know, heard back from hardly anyone. We were trying to like inject ourselves into the conversation and blog comments and, and, you know, there was all those kind of the top 10 page builders and, we jump in in the comments and say, Hey, we're, you know, these new guys come check us out. And, um, you know, it's always like a really delicate process because you don't want to come off as spammy and you don't want to tick people off. And, and I'm sure we did at some point to some degree, but yeah, doing that. And then, um, one of our early customers too was a guy that had a, a background in marketing, um, which the three of us, none of us were really marketers. And he came in and gave us a lot of advice. Um, we we launched with a different name originally. Our our agency and the parent company, like Justin mentioned, is FastLine Media. And so we called it FastLine Page Builder. And he kind of jumped in and said, oh, you guys need to change your name. Like you need to learn how to write copy. You need to figure out, you know, your, your segment, all these things that we're, we're kind of learning about and trying to do now. A lot of that was inspired by him. Um, and we then we realized that he was just reading Chris Lemma's blog and kind of like regurgitating on <laughs> Chris Lemma's stuff. And we're like, oh, man, we know, you know, this guy's nice and all, but we're going to go and like, you know, read all of Chris's books and Chris's stuff. And and uh, yeah, we, we uh, Chris, we, so someone, well, it, it's a whole other long story. But yeah, Chris, Chris found out about us relatively early on and, and gave us a really good endorsement. And that added a whole new layer to the snowball and things really started to pick up. Um, once he started talking about us.
1: Yeah. And to add to that too, like we, we've kind of been making this up as we're going along. Like, I mean, we we're a lot more knowledgeable now. We've, we've actually been learning quite a bit over the last, like almost three years now, three years next year. Um, but we had no clue what we were doing, uh, I mean, even, even on the business side, you know, I mean, we, we were just technically three freelancers working together that, uh, we got a lot of work because we worked really hard and we did good work and we just got a lot of referrals. And I think that's kind of how Beaver Builders, the, the snowball kind of slowly started is that we trans are that same kind of, uh, work ethic and, and mentality, uh, we brought over to the product side, both in how we developed it and how we supported it. And so a lot of our early evangelists kind of helped get that snowball going. And then until some of the, you know, we got some more bigger press um, that really like Robbie was saying, got it to take off.
2: Yeah.
0: No, definitely. The power <laughs> of the network is, is huge, but yeah. I, I, but I think the name and the mascot, definitely. That's like, yeah. I mean, that makes it just all the more memorable.
2: It helped cut through the noise <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, you know, it, it, as you started to see Beaver Builder grow, um, you know, there is other third-party developers that started contributing. Um, you know, uh, extensions to Beaver Builder. Were you surprised when you started to see that happen? And and you know, what's your thoughts about that?
1: Um, I I don't know if I was necessarily surprised. I was I was like um, flattered, if anything, um, that someone would do something like that. the uh, The fact that it was happening, though, I, I think I kind of saw coming because um, just through support and like what people were wanting to do with Beaver Builder, um, I get a lot of requests to make it more extensible Um, early on. Like we didn't even have like a lot of our documentation or, or things available that made it extensible. So it's, requests started coming in for that kind of thing. I'd be like, Oh yeah, sure. Like I want it to, you know, I want you to be able to do this kind of stuff. Um, So it was really like a community effort to, to get it to the point to where it's actually as extensible to, as it is from you know day one to, to now um but yeah no i mean we definitely surprised too because like we're working on a big ui redesign right now because we had no idea that this many people would be building add-ons um, so like the current ui just doesn't support mm. um you know all these different things that people are trying to do so now that we've seen what people are doing and we've learned from customer feedback over the years we're trying to start to like to think that way so um yeah it it definitely wasn't something we were expecting and it's definitely uh you know it's pretty awesome to see that happen with your product
0: is like with the third-party developers are you in uh a lot of constant communication with them just telling them where you're going next or do they reach out to you or how's that work
1: um they both. Yeah. They'll reach out to us and, uh, I've reached out with them. Uh, I'll share as i have like, for example, some of the bigger ones, I've shared some of our ideas on stuff. We're going to be thinking about the new UI. Um, and they're pretty active in our Facebook group too. So, um, whenever they're chatting about something that's interesting, um, in terms of like an idea for like the product, like I'll jump in there and, and chat with them on that too. I have a bunch of notes that I've gotten just from those little conversations. Um, so yeah, it's there's definitely an open line of communication there with the um, more active um, third-party developers for sure.
2: If I can, yeah, take the opportunity too to like broadcast this out, we'd love to talk to more people and hear what more people are doing before, because there have been a couple cases where you know we've seen a product or someone has launched something that we didn't know they were working on, which kind of overlaps with some of the stuff that we're working on. Um, so yeah, and we're happy to kind of discuss we try and well, we've been learning how to how to announce our roadmap and how to kind of most effectively manage that. And there's some things we love to talk about that we're doing. There's some things that we don't want to get people, you know, excited about before we know we can actually pull them off. So there's, you know, we're we're pretty transparent with what we're doing um for the most part. But there's a couple things that we kind of have to keep under wraps and yeah, we're happy to share that. If anyone's, you know, thinking about making a product for Beaver Builder, let us know and we can, you know, let you know if it's going to overlap or what we think and if it kind of falls into line with the direction we're trying to go.
0: No, very cool. And uh, something you mentioned too, like, you know, you have an active Facebook group, Um, you know, building a community around a product, you know, what are the challenges that you've uh, found doing that? How? difficult or how easy is it to to build a community around a product and make it consistent?
2: We got, yeah, we got really fortunate, um, like going back to the discussion on marketing, I I should have touched on this more, but yeah, we got really fortunate to, to have a really, you know, passionate fan base of people. Um, you know, so we, uh, we used to have a support forum right now. We, we use help scout, but we used to have a public forum and, when people would type, you know, ask questions in the forum, a lot of times someone else would pop in. Another, you know, one of our customers or users would pop in and answer it. Forum, and for them, and, uh, for them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So, the, but back to your question, communities are 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 interesting, right? Because, uh, like, long before WordPress and all this, I, I used to have a, a online discussion board that I, I set up. That was kind of what one of my first web projects, and. You know anyone that's set up a forum or a Facebook page or even a blog? Like it's always the same thing. Like you're just trying to get people in, um, and it's so difficult. I remember in the forum days, we'd like I'd had like 20 different accounts with different names, and I'd have little conversations with myself to try and seed discussions. And then if you're you know lucky enough to kind of get over that break where there's other people coming in, then it becomes a management and like almost like a political um, challenge, you know, cause you're always going to, you know, like you have disagreements or you're going to have people that want to post, you know, links to their product. Like how much do you let people just manage themselves? And, and, um, so that luckily again, we've got such a great community. That's not much of an issue that we have to deal with, but, but yeah, from time to time we kind of, the, you know, post will pop up and we'll kind of like scratch our heads and go, Oh, I don't know if this is what we want to do. Like what, maybe we should, <laughs> we might need to cut this off or <laughs> I'll yeah,
1: just, just say based on, uh, just what I've seen from other groups, not like all Facebook groups are bad or anything, but I do feel like we have like a, um, a pretty even keel community where you don't see a lot of those like heated discussions or, you know, even things that need to be moderated so much. It's, um, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> as it grows, but it's just a lot of people helping each other and, and, you know, discussing the product and WordPress in general.
0: Excellent. I I think it's time for our first break. Uh, And when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Justin Busa and Robbie McCullough of Beaver Builder. Back in a second. We're coming back from our break and we're talking with Robbie McCullough and Justin Busa of Beaver Builder. Uh, You know, before the break, we were talking about building a community, and knock on wood, like so far, you haven't had, uh, you know, uh, too many problems with, uh, you know, moderating stuff like that. Uh, when it comes to, uh, moderating the community, uh, say like in the Facebook group or anything like that, do you have like people that you kind of assign, you know, the moderator role to besides yourselves, uh, people that kind of police it for you?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Interestingly, the, the gentleman who started the group, we we actually weren't... I wish I could take credit for it, but um, the our Facebook group in particular, which is kind of the most active hub of our community, was started by one of our, our users. His name's Dave. And I remember, yeah, well, way back when, I, I sent him a message, and I was like, hey, Dave, this is really cool. Thanks for doing this. You know, if you can bring us on as admins, just so we know that we have some control of this, if things go awry or, you know... We, we, we we'd love to promote this. Like it was kind of an agreement that he let us in as uh admins on the group. And then we started to push it and tried to get as many people in there as we could. Cause it was such a cool, cool resource. Um, yeah, one I'd love to start. Well, like Justin mentioned, we have, we don't really have an issue where for some reason, yeah, I've been parts of other groups where they are constantly getting spammed. Um, or you know have having discussions like trolls and all the worst kind of things you can find on the internet and we've gotten been really lucky that we haven't had to do a lot of moderating um and i think a lot of that is is dave um and his his judgment and, and judge of character when he's letting people into the group he does a lot of pre-screening i think um as far as like keeping spammers out but uh, it's mostly the the three of us and a couple of our our support folks are, are regulars in there now we haven't opened up like the moderator role to many people outside of our um the company and then dave although maybe we should now that i'm saying it out loud there's no reason there's a lot of people in there i could think of that would be great that spend you know a lot of time in there and know the community really well so yeah maybe we should do that
0: <laughs> definitely jonathan do you have a question
3: yeah I was, I was just thinking about the conversation and um i'm gonna change my question that i was gonna ask you guys um a page builder you know, um, it's it's not an easy thing to build. You know, there's a lot of page builders out there, and I feel your one is very clearly the best product on, at the present moment in that area. By a long, what was there a, a technical um, like JavaScript or some technology that came on? the scene that enabled you to build a product like this that enabled you because it's so clearly a lot better than a lot of and there's a lot of page builders out there and I'm not trying to discount them but it's very clearly that yours um or was it just um interface design and the fault pattern that came in the actual development process or a bit of both.
1: I think on the technology side, um, it's really just advancements in WordPress itself. Um, the technology's all all kind of been there. And when you're looking at like you know JavaScript and PHP and and HTML and CSS, I mean, you could have really built something like this years ago. Oh right. that, that technology hasn't. I mean, it's advanced in ways, but I mean, the the base of it's still you know more or less the same. You could could figure it out, but just some of the stuff that you could do with WordPress. Um, now that you couldn't do like five, you know, years ago, or, you know, and I can say 10 years ago, WordPress is only three years old. It definitely would have been a lot harder, but, <clears throat> um, so yeah, no, I mean, just, you know, uh, WordPress itself. I mean, cause you know, people have talked about like, oh, you know, couldn't you build like, just take the builder and build it for another platform. But it's really like coupled with for better or for worse, um, I mean, that's another discussion, but it's really coupled with things that, like, WordPress allows you to do and it makes it really easy. Like, some other plugins, for example, like, have all these, like, complicated, like, SQL queries and things like that. And, you know, they're doing all this kind of stuff. But we really just, like, try to let WordPress do as much as it can in the background um, and just, like, leverage leverage what WordPress gives us um, since we're building on top of it. So. Um, I'd have to, I'd have to definitely say that it's that. And then also too, I mean, just in terms of like what we built as a page builder versus what people were building as a page builder like five plus years ago, um, even, you know the, I mean, visual composer was really like the only one there's a lot of the back end builders and things like that. <clears throat> I think when we're talking about the user interface it's just stuff we learned from building websites and being exposed to different types of website builders Um, on different platforms, you know, everything from Squarespace and Wix to the, you know, one-off different little things and even WordPress page builders themselves, um, just being an agency and seeing all these different things. Um, what Beaver Builder became was like kind of a culmination of our experience, um, with all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of both, definitely. That's
3: a really interesting answer because I thought you were going to say it's advanced, but really fundamentally it is WordPress and the advances in WordPress coupled with your own experience of using other products combined that's a, that enabled you to build this product initially. So, that's, I think that's a fascinating answer. Thank you, Just. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. So um, another one that follows is that um, I totally understand that you would have thought, you know, because of uh, Wix and other similar products, you think you aim your product at those that want to do it all themselves, but then you've come to the um, realisation through the, the development of the product and the history of the company that a lot of your users or agencies and i um i said this to john in one of our episodes you know this idea you know people say well it's only a marketing site well um you, anybody probably anybody could go onto wix and knock something up but actually get a result from it actual business result is a, an, a another title area isn't it john uh, um yeah. so um when did you start to realize that your 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 target audience wasn't quite who you thought it was, that it was actually other agencies and developers? When did that start to happen? I think that was
1: probably pretty early on just because we like Robbie had said we built it for ourselves um I think we wanted to target a broader audience, but we we always knew that that was still part of our segment. Um, also for me personally, and this goes back to before, I, like when I was just getting started, I was working for, uh, a, uh, a kind of unique niche market, uh, wedding album design. Well, just album design in general, um, these custom designs, it was really big back in the day. Um, it's, you know, print labs are offering that stuff for free now and no one really wants like the fancy schmancy stuff that people are paying like 10 bucks a page for. Um, <clears throat> but back then my boss, uh, used to say, that when this automated stuff would come out and in these like page, these drag and drop like kind of tools for album design, because we were using Photoshop and there's all these automated tools come out, and I'd be like, oh no, we're gonna go out of business. And he's like, No, we're not. He's like, no one wants to do this themselves. Um and I and I feel the same way about website design and website builders, like, you know, small businesses don't really want to build a website themselves. You know, I mean a lot of the ones go into Wix and Weebly and Squarespace is because you know they're bootstrapping and they're starting up, but once they start getting a budget and they start getting serious about online marketing, it's not just about like, you know, the website builder is just a tool Um, who cares what it's built on at that point for the small business. So um, yeah, to kind of circle back around to it. um, I always kind of back in my agent, you know, those are the people building websites and they're not going to just stop building websites because there's a bunch of DIY builders out there. So there's always going to be agencies to, you know, have so, that kind of product for.
3: Well, really, the situation is very similar to when desktop publishing came out. Everybody thought they were going to do it themselves. And yeah. there is an element of that. But also, a lot of people learned very quickly is what kind of standard you get from um, and how many hours and time. You've got to be very time rich and very um, probably very um, money poor to build something that's really effective. So that's fantastic. So there's my couple of questions, John. You got your next question, John? Yes, I do.
0: Um, So, you know, you you mentioned too, um, you know, as you grew, uh, support wasn't that, didn't take up that much time. But at this point, you have a whole team of support. Um, How does, you know, product support look as compared to, you know, when you're doing support for client services and, and how do you scale that up? How do you know when to grow and and how do you choose people to be part of your support team?
1: No, too bad Billy's not here. He runs the uh, support team. Uh,
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, he got a lot more insight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. I think we, gosh, that's good. It's a good question. Uh, we We grew it organically in that, you know, we were doing as much as we could Um, Like, well, so yeah, back like circling back a few years when we were doing client services and the product at the same time, you know, they reached a point where we'd always come in in the morning and do support first. And we'd kind of sit there and uh, we'd have a shared inbox and we'd kind of say, okay, I got this one, you get that one, we'll get that one. And you know, we'd knock out the support an hour and then Billy and I would jump into our client projects and Justin would jump into coding. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, we'd we'd be going until like 11 in the afternoon doing support. And then we were going until lunchtime doing support. And then we'd, you know, it would be two o'clock in the afternoon and we were still knocking out support, um, neglecting our client projects because we were having so much fun, like working on Beaver Builder. And I think that was when we realized like, oh man, we need to bring someone else in um, and then going back to the whole, so we we've done some consulting work with Chris. We're, we're you know kind of Chris Lemma followers. We pay attention. One of his big things is is learning how to delegate, and that's one of the things we've been trying to learn as we've been growing the business is how to you know get out of the. You know, working in the business to working on the business. Or am I maybe am I saying that wrong? Is it working on instead? But either way, like learning that, pro, like trying to separate ourselves as much as we can from the the tasks that we can have someone else do um, to give us more time to to work on the things that you know we really wouldn't be able to to source out.
0: Nope, yep. makes a lot of sense. As as you grow, you do have to, and that that's pretty consistent with a lot of the people that we talk to is like. As their business grows, they um go from doing hundred percent like you know day to day tasks to like less and less um it's
2: it's and, a and challenge everything. yeah and I remember sorry, you mentioned like how we how we pick people yeah. um at, at first um I think our first hire came from upwork, and I know when you ask people about using what did upwork upwork used to be called something else that has a lot more familiar name <laughs> Elance. Yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah. everyone has their horror stories working with freelancers, you know, on these, on these kind of sites, but I, I feel like we just got super fortunate. And the first guy we brought on, um, his name's Ben and he was just a rock star. He was really good, really knew his, his, he had really good technical chops and he was also just a really, um, personable guy. Like he, he fit in with our kind of our, uh, you know, the, the attitude and the, and the empathy that we wanted to project, he just fit it perfectly. And he's still with us today. Um, and I do, I feel like we really got lucky there cause you hear a lot of horror stories. And then one of our second hires was actually his brother. His brother was looking for a job around the same time we were looking for, for someone else. So we brought his brother on. So now we got the whole family thing going, which is cool. Um, and now that we've grown a lot of our support hires have actually come out of our community or, um, We've been lucky enough to to get a couple of people from other WordPress companies in a similar space, um, one of which I don't want to mention, but you might have heard okay. the story about how they stopped paying their support people for a couple of months and uh, Got it. Yeah, their product was starting to kind of look a little bit, a little bit shoddy, uh, or not shoddy, but yeah, the the future of it was looking a little iffy, Uh, but we got really fortunate to, yeah, would bring some people in from the community and bring some people in from the greater WordPress community.
0: There you go. Um, So here's a question too, you know, when you're working on new versions of Beaver Builder, when you're, you know, iterating there, how much testing do you do against, you know, some of the more, you know, popular plugins? how many plugins do you, you know, test against? Do you have like a list of ones that you test to make sure that everything's compatible? Um, You know, what does that look like? There's nothing. um, (coughs) I would like to have something a little more automated.
1: (coughs) Excuse me. Um, But but for uh, a lot of its themes, to be honest, Um, I'll test with, uh, well, you know, Genesis is obviously a big one because we have huge uh, Genesis um, kind of like overlap in our community. So um, making sure things play nice with uh something uh you know, Genesis and some bigger themes like that. In terms of testing plugins, um, you know, I my on my on my test sites on my development sites, I just have like, you know, like a probably like a hundred of the most popular plugins um active while I'm building. Um same thing goes for like WordPress core too. Like once they've released the first beta, I'll do all my development on the beta version and it's updates as the release candidates come out so I can catch things um like that. Uh, you know, the testing process, our, our testing process probably could use some fine tuning and some more automation, mm-hmm. but at the same time too, we haven't had, uh, to, uh, there's never been like any kind of huge conflicts or things like that. I think we try and we are very conscientious of like how we play in the WordPress sandbox. Um, so we, you know, we, I think we try not to do things and we know, and, and just from the coming years of experience now where we've seen things and. Things have come up in support like caching is a big one um and it still is i mean caching can can be tough especially you know you're making changes to like css and javascript and you know the servers just not wanting to return the updated version <clears throat> um but we've seen a lot of things over the years that just kind of now that are built in um that make it a little bit easier that we don't have to worry about that stuff as much but yeah i mean pretty much just the environment that, that we develop and when you're talking about. um you know, plugin and theme conflicts. Um, there's obviously different testing that we have, you know, for our own in- internal code base. Um, that's, you know, more something you'd see like in WordPress core or something like that. But yeah, plugin and theme stuff's just kind of got to catch it. Always have WP debug on. So uh, you can, you can catch any conflicts in the air logs and uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Now. And I, I think that is a lot of the reason why your particular plugin is, so well respected and spoken of in the WordPress community as compared to some of the other page builder plugins that maybe are, um, they're more obtrusive than Beaver Builder is Beaver Builder is pretty much well known as, as being the least obtrusive, um, page building plugin out there. And, uh, definitely the one that, you know, we recommend when we recommend page builders for sure. Awesome. Man-
1: th- oh, I oh, just want oh, to make one more point to that too. Um, yeah on like the testing and the plugin compatibility is we're actually pretty like friendly with working with other plugin developers too. Like if there's like conflict, like I try not to, a lot of people will have that mentality of like, Oh, it's not our problem. Like go contact the theme author or the plugin developer. But like I, you know, in our culture and, you know, the empathy that we try and put out there, like Robbie is saying is that we want to work with people. So you may not see a lot of issues too, because like we get, we work to get them resolved, you know, rather than, I mean, there's been some really tricky ones that, maybe have gone on for a while and taken a while to get resolved, but definitely try and work with other people instead of saying, it's oh, it's their fault. We're, we we can't do anything about it.
0: That's the easy way out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you know, and here's a question too. When you talk about, like, philosophy, uh, the WordPress community is very developer-driven, but the, the people that use WordPress come from all walks. There's people that are complete do-it-yourselfers. There's people that just use it for content creation and management. Um, but a lot a lot of the, you know, focus is on the developer end. Now, as world, WordPress continues to take more and more of the market share of the website, uh, you know, websites that are being built, do you see more and more people switching to page builders as opposed to straight development? And do you think that... Uh, the attitudes of, you know, if you're not building it like from scratch each time in peer development, uh, do you think that that sort of mentality will soften over time?
2: I hope so for our, I mean, selfishly. Yeah. I, I hope <laughs> so. Um, I think it's a kind of natural <clears throat> progression. I'm trying to think of a good analogy, maybe, you know, analog to digital photography would be a good one you know like as technology progresses things usually get easier um and take less time um to go from point a to point b and you see that a lot in wordpress I and mean, i used to joke a lot we had this article or we get people that ask all the time you know is 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 the page builder going to slow down your website is it going to affect my seo and and we like well I like could, you know, do a whole discussion on that. Like we do our best to make it as efficient as possible. And it's very, very close to what you would see if you'd hand coded a page. But I always used to joke that, you know, WordPress itself is a shortcut. Like if you really need a hyper efficient page, just mm-hmm. like spin it up in HTML and CSS. Like all the technologies that we're using are, are layers on top of other technologies that are, you know, saving us time and, and you're paying for the convenience and I definitely think that's going to progress, but I also think there's going to be folks who resist that. You know, the the kind of old school guys, the old school film photographers that just thought digital was the was the devil. Um, it's kind of I think that's human nature. You know, we're creatures of habit, so that that's not going to change. But the world keeps keeps moving on.
3: Well, it's funny that you say that, actually, Jim, um, because Chris Lemmer uh, a few weeks ago wrote an article that was around. The subject that John asked you um about what is a true developer and it's been on on, on he points out in his article which we' were put in the show notes folks um ongoing discussion and it's based on self the notion of self worth and how you measure people and their worth and it's 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 it just doesn't affect wordpress or e or coding it affects all trades and all companies doesn't it um but there's definitely um i think chris uses the word sub um subcontract not contractors yeah i think he uses might use the word contractors that will develop a site i think a lot of it's all uh, i don't know if you would agree but i think a lot of it's also driven by that, you know, the reality is you have a theme and they don't use a product like you and the the balance between the stage where you developed a theme so much that you would have been better off just doing a custom build because you've knocked it around so much that it doesn't work in mobile devices and really you should have done a load of testing and when... You start seeing it in all these different devices and it's a mess. Um, You realize you would have been better off doing a custom thing. And I think your product and what drives it is a lot around that. Um, But I'm not too sure. I don't know if you would agree with that, guys.
2: No, definitely. Like, I think what you were saying about it affects all walks of life and, you know, any career and a lot of, uh, you know, no one wants to, to be obsolete or no one wants to think that, you know, what they spent their time on wasn't necessary. This is like another kind of out there analogy, but, you know, Justin and I are both guitar players. And and I remember when I was learning how to play guitar, um, there was – you know, the kind of the school, the classical school of thought that was, you know, you should learn your scales, and you should spend your time practicing chords and building up the muscles. And you shouldn't worry about learning to play a song like that comes later, you know, like you need to build up the the core skills first. And, and I was always the type that was like, Oh, no way, like, I'm, I want to learn how to play the song. Like, I don't want to know the scale. I don't care about the mode. Like, I just want to learn how to rip the solo. And, you know, forget <laughs> that I'm just going to do the you know, the 20% of the work to get, you know, as far as I can, or like the whole 80-20 rule, right? Like you can, uh, you can, if you're trying to learn a new, new skill, you can usually just focus on the 20% that's going to get you from, you know, zero, well, I'm using two number analogies, but get you, you know, a lot closer and a lot less time than if you do the the 80% route that, that uh, maybe would be the more formal and classical way to go about it. And in the long run might even be better I and mean, we've said that a couple times too you know a lot of folks are using beaver builder in an effort to learn web design um, or if, if your goal is to learn the technologies behind wordpress and become a web developer or you know get a job or a career as an engineer you know beaver builder is probably not going to be the best choice for you like you're going you know, the same comes up with like sass and css you know like anyone that's saying if you want to Be a web developer, you know, SAS is the hot thing, or it might not be SAS anymore. It's been a long time. I don't write as much code as I used to. But you you, you shouldn't learn SAS before, you know, CSS, if your goal is to learn web technologies, because it's a shortcut. So it's always kind of that balancing act. And the, and the, the end goal determines a lot of the, you know, right process to take, I think.
3: Oh, that was fantastic! You dealt with one of my multi-level questions with uh, <laughs> ease. I'm notorious for that. I think we're. I think. <laughs> I think we should wrap up the podcast part of the show, John. Don't you yeah. think so? And go on to our bonus content. Uh, don't we?
0: I do think so. Uh, just a reminder: if you listeners and viewers out there are getting value from this show, be sure to go to our iTunes uh you know and leave us a review leave us a detailed review we're trying to get to triple digits anything you can do can help and uh you know be sure and you know also watch this on the wp tonic website um so with that I'm gonna let everybody tell us where to find them. Robbie, how do we find you?
2: Yeah our website is wpbeaverbuilder.com. Uh we're on Twitter. Um, if you want to jump into our community, search for the Beaver Builders group on Facebook. That's probably the best place to, to meet with the, the <coughs> greater Beaver Builder community that we've been talking so highly of this episode.
0: Very good. Justin, how do we find you?
2: Uh, I'm at the same spots
1: that Robbie just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs>
0: there you go. Um, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I have a
1: personal Twitter, but I don't use it too much. It's Mr. Justin Busa. If I get more followers, maybe I'll be inclined to start actually tweeting. <laughs> but uh, I want to mention, too, uh, 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 we have a Slack group as well, if, uh, uh Beaver Builders Slack group. If Slack's your thing and
0: Facebook isn't, I know some people prefer Slack. That's pretty thriving. There you go. Jonathan, how do we find you?
3: Oh, it's quite easy, folks. You can email me at jonathan at wp com, And uh, I'm always happy to have a chat with the listeners or anybody that needs any help. I normally send you my calendar link and you can book a quick 15 minutes and we can have a chat on Skype or um you can get me on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. That's my personal one. I have quite a following on that and I'm reasonably active Um depending on how stressed I am out. Isn't it John?
0: <laughs> Definitely. And you can find me on my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. You can follow me on Twitter lockdown underscore and my facebook page just facebook.com slash lockdown design uh for the wp tonic reminding you uh we're gonna have episode 148 coming up this saturday with the panel we haven't picked a topic yet but it's going to be awesome so check it out (laughs) Um, (laughs) see you later folks bye all right bye